So Dogen said that we are always expressing to one another intimate language. And that through zazen, we become familiar with intimate activity. Our own intimate activity. But the intimate language is a language that we cannot know through our sense gates. That we can't know through our normal, um, what we might call experience. Because the intimate activity and the intimate language is the functioning of what we are. And the functioning of what we are is functioning with the functioning of what all of us are. There is no functioning of me without the functioning of all of you. And so to try to understand my functioning as a human being in some way that doesn't include all of your functioning and the functioning of all things is deluded mind. But this um, intimacy of all things is not something, and Dogen says this over and over again, that we can approach with a karmic mind. And yet, here it is. So how do we even begin to listen for this intimacy if it's not something that we can hear if it's something that we are. Of course, there's zazen. There's always zazen. There's always sitting meditation and beginning to look at the mind and look at all of the conditioning that interrupts our ability to be as we are in a given moment. To basically be the expression of intimate functioning. But in hearing the intimate language, or in being the intimate language, or coming from the intimate language with one another, there are a few things we, that the Buddha asked us to do besides simply meditation. Because the realization of that would be prajna, the slow realization of that intimate language of that intimate functioning, of that intimate expression, is the realization of prajna over time. But for that to happen, there has to be, which is wisdom. Prajna is usually translated as wisdom. And then there's the piece around concentration and meditation, which is important. But then there's one, there's a third piece in the three trainings that are, that the Buddha said is critical, which is sila, which is morality or behavioral discipline. This for us, of the precepts. And for the, the, the precepts are necessary because in relationship to that intimate language, if the river is the intimate language, we're living in kind of a high-speed engine-driven boat on that river. 
And so from that perspective, it's very hard to tell the difference between the sound of the engine and the sound of the boat. I mean, so the river, the sound of the engine and the sound of the river. We think, is that the river I'm hearing? Is that intimate functioning? Or is that the engine? Is that volitional life? Is that my karmic stuff spinning out? Now, the reality is, is that the river and the boat are always intertwined. There is no karmic life without intimate language, intimate functioning. They are the same waters. Because everything is the functioning of life. Even our confused, deluded, karmic, dualistic existence. They can't be teased out from one another in their functioning reality. They can be teased out in terms of what we treat as the ground, what we rely on. So precepts, if we take them up as a practice, not simply if we take them up as thoughts or commitments or ideas or rigid ways of thinking about the world, but if we take them up as, a, as an authentic, deep practice of the heart, they begin to clarify how we are not our mind, our thinking mind, our karmic mind, is not in conscious alignment with the functioning of life. And so to really deeply look at, to not make a decision about what it is not to kill, to not say, this is killing, this is not killing, these beings count as killing, these beings don't count as killing. You see this oftentimes when people talk about um, Morality. I don't have to worry about fish because they don't really think so much, so that doesn't count in my killing. Or I don't have to worry about lettuce, or I don't have to worry about, no, everything. We are always, always in every interaction asking what is killing. We're in every interaction asking what is lying. We're in every interaction asking what is taking what is not given? What is misusing sexuality? What is praising myself at the expense of others? What is harboring ill will? What is not disparaging the triple treasure? That we're asking these things in all of our interactions. And, and if we feel that, we can feel shin light up when we ask those questions deeply. There's an energy that comes forward from this part of who we are. When we start asking these questions with a sincerity. Because what begins to happen is alignment. This kind of aloofness that we might have from these kinds of questions. Whether that aloofness shows up in cynicism or suspicion or anger or fear, whatever it is, that um, keeps us from 
relying on shin, on heart, on life, on the interdependence of all things. Softening into it. Dogen says at one point, um, the fish swimming against the waterfall know each other's hearts. They, the birds that follow the traces of the birds know each other's hearts. They move together as one heart. They move together as one shin. They know the shin of each other. Because they're not telling the story of separation. They're moving together knowing it. Now, he says, in the same um, writing, he says, most human beings have no idea what it is to know the shin of another. But that does not mean it is correct to say that there are no human beings who do not know the shin of the fish and do not know the shin of the birds and do not know the shin of each other. That there are, and this is, it's interesting for me to sit with this moment because what then does it mean to know the hearts of one another, to know the hearts of the fish, to know the hearts of the bird? It's not about knowing it this way. It's not about coming up with some story about what it is to know it. It's about dropping all the stories that are in the way of allowing Shin to come alive and be the weather vane of our lives. And then we feel into, there's a sense that of everything functioning this way. Everything is functioning this way, even if we don't know the specifics of it, even if it's mystery. It's not so much knowing the specifics of it, but which is far beyond any of our capacities to ever understand. But the deep faith that arises from knowing all things are functioning in this way. This shin-shin in the shin-shin-ming which is sometimes, um, trans- it's often translated as trust in mind. But um, I think that misses a little bit of the characters together because I would say something, I, I, would, I like the translation more of heart of faith because the two, this trust, it's not just that... Um, what arises is that there's a trust in this heart or that there's a trust in Shin. But this is what the heart of trust or the heart of faith is. This is what trust and faith in the world is, is to live from this place. There is no trust and faith in the world that isn't living from heart. There is no trust and faith in the world that is living from the intellect. And so the precepts, when they become expressions of the heart and deep commitment, they are the way of guiding us to 
dropping away, calling into question, accounting for the way that our karma is um, our attachment to our karma, not our karma, our attachment to our karma is separating us from living from the functioning of life, from living from the intimacy of existence. In the expression of the total intimacy of existence or the dependent co-arising of all things, the precepts are perfectly kept. This is what Dogen says to us, is that the precepts are kept in the total expression of zazen. The precepts are kept in the total expression of life, but they are not kept when we're attached to our conditioning. And so we have to practice the precepts. We have to take them up as a way, really, of returning to life. And in this um, living as the functioning of the harmony of existence, without anything in the way, we call this Buddha. That there is no harm being caused by self-grasping, that the self-grasping mind has released. For those that it has released completely, we call this for those who are in the process of releasing, that are devoted to that releasing for all beings, we call these people bodhisattvas. Most of us are going to be in the former camp. So it is important in our way to wholeheartedly and completely devote ourselves to the precepts. Because there is, um, without them, the confusion is too, the possibility for confusion, there's confusion anyway, but the possibility for confusion that's just completely, we don't even know where to begin. Because when it's all rooted in our own karmic choices and our own self-attached karmic habits, we can't find a guidepost. We don't know what's, it's just self, 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 self. And how do I know if, if all I'm doing, if all the mind is doing is attaching to self? How do I have any idea what's good for me, not good for me? It's good for me because I say it is because it's what I'm used to doing. That's not a reliable measure. it puts in place a standard, a measure, that I can't grasp. How am I going to grasp that? How am I going to say I got this one right? Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Check. <laughs> it just, the ego is, just has nowhere to go with that vow. Except keep the measure in your heart. That's the only thing that we can do, is keep the precepts and the bodhisattva vows and the refuges as measures of the heart.
They can't be measures of the intellect. They're impossible for the intellect. For those going into this ceremony, go in with your hearts. Forget the rest. Taking up the Bodhisattva vows is a commitment to this path, to this tradition, all of that. And that's all very important. But it's a commitment to the heart standing up in the world, which is terrifying. And exact, I mean, if you, if you really, it's not an easy thing for the heart to stand up in the world, which is why we need Sangha, which is why we need community, because that's what gives us the strength to do it. I watch myself in situations. It's very easy here. It's easy to sit in this seat with all of you, shared intentions, and say all these words. There are other situations where it's harder, where there's not a commitment to alignment with intimacy, with the intimate connection of everything. The fish know one another's hearts because the shared intimate function of the fish is the same in that situation, which is to go against the stream and up against the waterfall. When we take these vows, when we sit zazen, when we devote ourselves to the Bodhisattva way of life for the liberation of all beings, as we move through our own karmic attachments, slowly over time, our intentions become the same. And as they become the same, will be very, they'll have very different expressions. But the intention to live for the liberation of all beings will become the same, will become deep, will become the character of who we are. And through that, in the dropping away of our karmic attachments, we will know each other's heart. Because our hearts will be functioning as they do naturally when released for everyone for all beings. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.